Amen. Well, we've got an exciting Sunday because we have a guest preacher today. But it's a, I'm glad he's here because it gives me an opportunity to kind of just address some things that I've wanted to for quite a long time. Okay, so we've got Alan, Alan and Cheryl Rockhill are out here from the States. So Alan, if you can come join us here now. Let's give him a, a big welcome uh, to be a part of us here this morning. But obviously, Alan has got three children in our church, okay? And that is Tracy on the keyboard, Nathan on guitar, Matthew singing so nicely. Here's my chance now to kind of chat to the family a little bit with dad in the house, Hey, okay? Awesome. <laughs> Welcome, my brother. It is really wonderful to have you here today. I had a fantastic lunch with Alan in the week, catching up and him telling me his stories of all that God has done in heart and life. Okay, I think this is on and rolling, okay? With Archie. There we go. So I want to, I want to, here's an opportunity, and I'm joking about it. We have the pleasure, actually, of having your children in this house to worship, that serve this body, that serve us week in and week out. But they are like they are because of mom and dad. Cheryl, we can, I don't know, maybe stand, just you, and honor Cheryl as well. Mom as well in the house. Fantastic, eh? Yeah, and I just, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you guys for letting us have your children that wow. have served us beautifully, honestly, and have caught our hearts, that have run with us, and the journeys that we've been on with them have been incredible. And to have you here today honoring as a family, when, when you said to me that I lost, when last we were all together as a family in church was two and a half years ago, a long time. So to see a family worshiping together is very beautiful. So it's a joy to have you, you kind of with us. And I know what you've got on your heart is going to truly bless us. Can I just pray for you sure. as we go? Father, we just want to thank you for family. Even though Alan lives on the other side of the world in the States, Lord, his family are still part of his heart. Lord, we carry each other so deep. And Father, as he ministers to this family today, Lord, let us know the true love of the Father poured out to us. I pray you'd anoint his words, speak with power and authority as the blessing flows from this heart to this house here this morning. We honor you in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Bless you, my brother. Thank you. Yeah. You need this? Yeah, I'll take it. Thanks. Well, praise God, everyone. I don't have an American accent. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I've been in Africa for 64 years, and uh, about five, just over five years ago, the Lord had me go to the States take over a little church struggling and uh, it's been a real blessing to try and help and encourage. I do travel a bit so um, I get the chance to pop into Cape Town or around the world to see family that I know etc. So it's a joy and I've been here several times um, uh, just to thank Sheldon quietly that he's taken my children, <laughs> looking after them. But you need to understand that there's a, oh Lord I don't know where I'm going to go Sheldon. There's, there's, this, there's something that's called the Mizpah Covenant. It's all in the book of Genesis. And it was between Jacob and Laban, they were quarreling about the family. And uh, so they decided to set up this covenant with God as the witness. And they called it the Stone of Gilead or the Mizpah Covenant and there's some other name for it. But the idea was, uh, while you are away, I can't see my children or grandchildren. So I'm going to ask God to watch you watch them. How about that? And the other guy says, okay, and then I'm going to ask God to watch you, watch them when, they, when you see them. And I thought to myself, what a release. What a blessing to know that I can be 10,000 miles away. And I've entered into a covenant with God, said, Lord, you do for them what I can't see. You protect them where I can't protect them. You help them where I can't help them because you are God. And I'm asking you to be that witness today. Now, you see, that releases people from the stress and the pressure. You know, when you, I don't know about you, but in America, when, when folks go off to university, it's like the end of the world. It's like somebody left home and they've gone off on holiday. or No, they haven't. They, they've just gone next door. But they've left home and it's like, it's like a pandemic. And I say, you know what, guys? Just remember the, the Mizpah Covenant. Let God do what you can't do anymore. And if you can't let God do that, then enjoy your stress. <laughs> Amen. So I, I, 
I never worry about them from that perspective. I know they're in a great house. And I know that they've been taught to serve and they do that willingly and they do it with all their hearts. So I'm very blessed for what this house has done for my family. Amen. Amen. And looking after them. Secondly, I want to say today, I'm very grateful to this house too for just over a year ago, I was quite ill with COVID and I ended up in hospital for five days. Thankfully, I didn't go on a respirator. Amen. Amen. But I know that this house prayed for me. I know that there were prayer groups, prayer watchers, I don't know what you call them, were praying for me as well. And I want to tell you, here I am. But I want to give my family credit as well because they warred for me. Once a week they broke bread. They, came, they all came together at, 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 at a home. And they warred for me in the spirit. They prayed. They broke bread. They declared. The whole family from the littlest guy to the eldest. Warred. Now that is such a blessing, guys, that we need to have. Now, I'm, I'm grateful that that happens. I certainly didn't go to school to say, now when I get old, this is what you do. So we need to understand, guys, that, that Sheldon spoke about the generational thing. I watched that man over there with that white shirt on. When we were doing that declaration, he put his hand on his little girl. You need to understand that we are passing down stories, giftings, anointings, breakthroughs. Now, you may not understand how effective it is for your child. You may think, well, I lay hands on them. They don't even understand what you're doing. But you are imparting a release of the Holy Spirit that's going to implant them, be planted in the, in the seed of their soul. Yes. That whatever it needs to uh, be, out, be, be removed, God will water that seed and blessing and prosperity and, 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 and increase will come out of that. The abundant life the man spoke about this morning. Amen. So I'm just very grateful to this house and, and, and to all you folk here. Amen. But I'm grateful for my family. We got to meet little Luke for the first time. We haven't seen him. He's nine months old now. We got to meet him. for the. We seen him on WhatsApp. Thank God for WhatsApp. Amen. And we've seen him on WhatsApp and whatever. But today... Well, this week, this couple of weeks we've been here, he's been smiling and he waved. You know, he's learning to lay hands on everybody. <laughs> Have you noticed that? If you say hello to him, he puts up his hand and he, he goes, come and touch your face. <laughs> You're doing well, Matt and Kristen. Amen. All right. Praise God. I want to start this morning by, by speaking to Sheldon and your wife, Kathleen. Could you stand, please? Now, has he been giving you trouble? <laughs> He's in the hot seat now, amen. You know, two of the folk have spoken about words that have been spoken over the church and what's happened, and they've been thinking about it. And they mentioned sequences of twice this week and several times, etc. When I knew I was coming to preach, I've been waiting on the Lord. When I got here, God spoke to me the same word twice. So you need to understand that when God says something once, it's, it's incredibly important. When he says it twice, he laced her. Oh, I'm so glad I could say that. Oh, my gosh, I'm so glad. Because when I say that back in America, they say, what did he say? And they try and write it down. Oh, goodness. But God gave me one word twice, two different days. And he said, this is the word he gave. He said, tell them there is a ground swell. Now, normally, if you're deep in the ocean and there's something seismic takes place, a shift, something breaks, what do you call it, a tsunami will develop. A a well of water will come up, and by the time it gets to land, it's a massive thing, and it causes destruction. I want you to know that this church... Not only this church, but this nation, this church, and your lives personally. And I don't know what that is. You've had seismic shifts where you have felt broken, where you have felt, I can't go on. But you have to because you're the pastor. We feel that. But let me tell you that those shifts... God wants me to encourage you both. There is a groundswell that you can't see. 
but it is growing. It is mounting. And it's through, the, through your people and through the influence that you're placing upon them. And I want to tell you, Sheldon, God's raising up to be a father. I noticed in your authority this morning just speaking like a father, not like a mother. And I'm not against ladies. But you spoke with authority. You're going to have to have that authority to command this groundswell that God's going to do through this ministry. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I bless them. I ask you to heal their hearts, heal those things that have been seismically broken in their lives, and release the groundswell of your blessing, your anointing, and your purpose through and over them. That, Lord, they would be able to affect this nation in an amazing way. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you, man. Hallelujah. I'm going to try as quickly as I can, and that's no promises, but I do try. I want to try as quickly as I can. I want to talk. Now, ladies, please love me today. Amen? I'm not anti. You're, not, you're part of this deal. Amen? But I want to address prophetically the men today. By the way, I was paid lots of money by the ladies to do that, guys. I just felt... Sheldon and I were speaking, and, and he, originally I was going to speak on blessings because I've written a book on blessings and all this type of stuff. And when we were chatting, I said, you know, we, we got to the place where I said, I, 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 maybe we should address the fact that the value of a father's blessing. And then I saw that man putting his hand on his child. And that just kind of said, okay, we're on the right track here. And folk, I, and, and men, I'm not saying this, and... and, and, and Bay Community Church? I'm not saying that Bay Community? Bay City. I'm not, I'm not saying this to belittle you in any way. I believe I'm bringing some kind of apostolic prophetic utterance that you can grow thereby. So if it hurts, scratch. If you're okay, bless God. But do not feel condemned. Because there is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen to that? All right. But if you are lacking, then it's time to learn. It's time to change. If there's one thing I've learned about this nation is that you can handle stuff. And you can shift gears. But we want to shift gears at the right time to get the right ratio, to get the right speed, to get the right power. Amen? And that's what I'm really encouraging you guys to do this morning. Okay? So if I say some stuff that you're not doing, you're not going to hell. It's amazing. Because he loves us. But he brings people to this pulpit. And you're going to see anointed men and women coming through this pulpit because God's got his hand on you. And they will say stuff that you may not have heard too much about. But that's because he wants to grow you. He wants to make you examples of what he wants to do. Amen, guys? So say to the Lord, I'm privileged, Lord. Come on, let's, let, let's like we mean it. Lord, I'm privileged, Lord, I'm privileged to, be to be part of this family. Open my heart and mind heart to and receive mind. all that you have for me. I am making a commitment to be part of your plan here. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. All right. I, can we, I don't know if you, I, I'm old-fashioned. I don't have these things that you can lose power and all that. Proverbs 17, please. If you can open your Bibles to Proverbs 17. I don't know if the guys can put it up. Proverbs 17. I want to just read one scripture, and I want to talk about... Uh, my topic is, is fathers arise. Okay? Fathers arise. And I want to speak along the theme that it's time uh, 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 for increased and improved fathering throughout the body of Christ. This is not just here, but throughout the body of Christ. I really believe that there's a dearth of maturity in fathers throughout the world's body of Christ. Okay? So let's, let's improve, let's increase, and let's begin to show uh, 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 this nation what, what can happen when you father correctly. Amen. Okay, so in Proverbs 17 and verse 6, this is what it says. It says, children's children are the crown of old men. There's the crown. There they all are. I'm an old man. They're all over there. And the glory of children is their father. 
The glory of children is their father. So fathers are incredibly important to affect the way a family goes, to affect the way a child thinks, to affect how things need to take place with structure and order. Fathers are crucial. And it starts by blessing. Your father, the first words he spoke over you and I while we were all in Adam, the first words was not, oh no, it's another girl. The first words he spoke over you and I while we were in Adam, beloved, was be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have dominion. Now, do you read in any of that phraseology anywhere where it says you need to fail? You need to struggle. The first words he spoke to us was he gave us a blanket covering to increase, to be fruitful, to be effective for God, to multiply, to subdue things that need to be subdued and to have dominion where dominion needs to take place. That... That's the blessing God created every one of us under. We walk with that blanket covering. Amen. So I want us to understand that the the first thing we need to understand about when we we want to affect children is we need to bless them. Many, many years ago, when I first, in fact, I was in Durban, uh, I I began to write my first book on blessing, and... uh, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Don't tell anybody. I can remember lining up the kids that were all going to university, finishing school, and going for, and every morning they would line up before they went out, and I'd lay my hands and I'd pray for them and bless them and so on and so on. And when I first started doing that, they thought, is this guy okay? <laughs> so dads, I want to tell you that sometimes you feel vulnerable. Because you don't know what you're doing. You just know by the Spirit there's a nudge, somebody said this morning. There's a nudging. There's, there's something, and you begin to do it by faith. And I want to tell you, as you do it by faith and with expectation, God will perfect that which He's trying to show you. Yeah. Except when you have a Nathan. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. We were coming back from church one day. I was speaking on blessing. And it was just Cheryl and I and uh, Nathan in the back seat and Matthew and Tracy were in another car. And we're coming back from church and Nathan says from the back seat, he says, Dad, have you been blessing me with good looks lately? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm driving, I'm looking in the rear view mirror, I'm horrified. (laughs) And I say, well, what do you mean? He said, because the girls at Varsity are just going crazy at the moment. (laughs) I'm telling you. And I'm lucky I was driving the car, amen. And I just said, no, my word, that's not the plan. The man is dead now, but many years ago, or years ago, Larry King had a show, well, he still had the show until he died, where he was addressing a a, a prominent Jewish family. And he said to this guy, I forget the guy's name, but he says to this guy, so why is it that Jewish people seem to walk with blessing? Seem to have the evidence of blessing in their lives. If you look at Israel today, that small nation, they're in the top 10 of just about every field. I want to tell you, it's not because they belong to God or God singled them out. I'll tell you why. It's because they took seriously what God said to Moses to tell Aaron their priest. Can you put up number six? Or you can't do that? All right, don't worry. Numbers chapter six, verse 22 to 27. God says to Moses, the prophet at that time, tell Aaron, the high priest, please repeat after me. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. You are to bless my people. So please don't tell me God doesn't want you blessed. Don't get lost in all this prosperity stuff. Spit out the bones. Take what's good, the rest, leave on the side. Amen. 
But he says, he said, this is the way you are to bless my people. This is the way. There's a methodology. There's a way to do it. Written down by God. That's got to be important, folk. And he says, this is the way you are to bless my people. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. And so it goes on. Then he says at the end in verse 27, and when you put my name on that blessing, I will come and bless it. Oh, wow. So Larry King said, well, that's simple. Oh, he said, the guy said, Larry King, that's simple. From when we were two bricks and a tiki high. Do you know what a tiki is? Two bricks and a tiki eye. He said, when we, from, when, from when we were this big, or this guy. He said, our fathers lay hands on us, and they blessed us. And they spoke to our destinies. And they spoke to our futures. And they spoke to our health. And they spoke to our prosperity. Jewish people don't ever grow up wondering, will I be blessed one day? We have that chance to start the same family line. The problem is, it never seems to get past a father and a son. And the Bible shows you that. David served God, his sons were a mess. Samuel served God, his sons were hopeless. This one served God or this son. And so they never got to the second or third or even the fourth. Because if you can get it to the fourth generation, there's a chance you'll start a family line. Amen. So here's my challenge, Bay City. Come on. Start something now where you release the blessing over your children. So much so that they receive it, understand it, not because you spoke it, not a duty, but they see the life, they see the evidence that they want it. Yes. Amen. So they pass it on to their children. I'm going to watch these oaks now. It's, it's actually quite fun. There's little Lutna. I'm going to watch Matthew and Kristen. I want to watch them. But they have the responsibility now of making Jesus real and alive and worth following. Sending them to church is not going to do it. They're going to have to live the life, demonstrate the life, the evidence that Jesus is real to the point where this little guy says, that's all I want in my life. Amen, guys. And it starts by them laying hands, blessing him, speaking to him, etc. Amen, guys. That's not what I wanted to say, by the way. (laughs) But I'll I'll try and... uh, I want to speak on Father's Arise. I'll have to pick out stuff. Fathers are incredibly important to the balance of the equation. Do not abdicate your position. God bless all the woman folk who've stood up and taken those roles. But actually, it's not your call. It's not your anointing. But you do the best you can. Amen? Fathers, I want to encourage you. Take your role seriously with God. Amen, people. I asked myself the question when I, when I started researching some of this stuff. I asked myself, God, why did you choose Abraham? Isn't Abraham the father of our faith? Isn't he? Yeah. So I asked the Lord, why, why did you choose Abraham? Abraham was an Iraqi. He was outside of the covenant. Yet God called him and chose him and initiated the whole faith movement or the, 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 the Christian faith through Abraham our father why did he choose him I found this script this is one reason I found this scripture in, in Genesis 18 and verse 19 now folk please listen he chose him to be the father with that ilk because in verse 19 he says for I have, God says for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him and that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had spoken to him. He chose Abraham because he 
by foreknowledge he could see that Abraham would command his children and his household after the things of God. And so for fathers, you need to understand that when God gives you children, it's not because of an act of marriage. Psalm 139 will tell you differently. Psalm 127 will tell you differently. That children are a blessing. Children are a heritage. Children are given with a purpose from God. They have their own anointing and their own giftings to get on with. Amen. Your job. We dedicated this little one this morning. Now, thankfully, it doesn't happen in this church. That's my out. But in, in places that I've... Most folk, when you dedicate a baby, do it because it's a duty. This man said this morning, it's not a duty. It's not. Because what God doesn't take his hand through this roof and say, okay, I'll take the child. You dedicate the child to God. You give, you, you, what you're saying to God is, I, I, I receive your gift to me. I receive the fact that you want me to care for the, I'm so blessed you've given me this child. And you better be on your knees saying, God, now what do I do with it? Help, Help Lord. Because you're, expect, you're accepting amongst all these witnesses the responsibility of raising up that child in the things of God. And that's not an easy task. We need wisdom. Can someone say amen? Oh, I've told me not to say that. I'm trying not to say that. Really, guys, we, we, we need that wisdom. God, you know, when I, when I got saved, the first Christian wedding I went to, guess what, was mine. <laughs> I didn't have that much clue about being saved, about being born again, whatever. I got saved in January of 78, and I got married in September of 79. We're 44 years this year. When Tracy came along two years later, I said, and now what? What do we do with this? Didn't have a clue. And didn't do what I'm asking you to do. Because I didn't know. But bumbled around doing what I could, and thankfully it worked out. Amen, guys. So you can't be perfect before you start. But please start. At Matthew's wedding a couple of years ago, one of his mates because I, I always speak about the sibling blessing and I pronounce the blessing over them. And this, and this guy came up to me after and he said, I wish I could be like you. And I thought, no, you don't. He <laughs> said, I wish I could be like you, that you can bless and do this and do that. And I said, and I'll just call him Joe. I said, Joe, all you've got to do is go home and start. And you might feel uncomfortable, you might feel exposed, you might feel vulnerable, but if you don't start, it'll never happen. I said, 40 years ago, do you think I had a clue what I was doing? Not a clue. But I'm grateful for what God has done through our family. Amen? Same can be with you. So why did God choose Abraham as a father? Okay, dads, have you got that now? Will you command your homes? Will you bring in, will you be a Joshua? As for me and my house, we will serve. Does your family know that you are called to higher service? It's not a choice. You're called to higher service. They don't have a choice whether they want to or not. I don't believe they should have that choice. I believe you set it, you set it in motion, and because of the way you live, they will follow suit. The moment you say, well, you know, when you get older, nonsense, you've lost them. Because this world will campaign. Universities will campaign for your kids. Amen, guys? So Abraham, number one, what did Abraham do? He said, I will, I will command my household and my children after the Lord. Amen, guys? That's number one. Number two, I don't think I'm going to get anywhere near what I want to say. Number two, have you ever heard of a guy called Manoah? Sounds like some guy in a... Moby Dick movie. Manoah. Manoah in Judges 13 was Samson's father. His wife was barren. Samson was born at the, through, through the plan of God. He was a judge. 
He was sent there to wage war for Israel against the Philistines. Tells you a few times in Judges 13 and 14 and 15. But when you read about Manoah, I love this man. I wished I, wished I had been clear on, on uh, more mature when I, when I was raising kids to understand that. So let me help you start. Judges 13, verse 8 and 12. An angel visits, visits his wife and says, you're going to have a son. And he's going to be a Nazarite, and you're going to do this, this, and this. She goes home to the father and says, hey, guess what? He says, why didn't the angel come to me? Typical, eh? <laughs> he said, when he comes again, please call me because I want to chat with him. So guess what? The angel came again. What's the two questions Manoah asked the angel? I love this. Judges 13 and verse 8. Oh, you can come back next week. I'll tell you that. No. <laughs> Judges 13 verse 8. He says, what shall I teach the boy? And verse 13 or verse 12, he says, what will be the boy's rule of life? Purpose or something. Forget the actual words. What is it, Sheldon? No, verse 12. What's his manner of life and what's his mission? What a father. There's a father that understands I'm partnering with God. Come on, someone say amen. You are vital to God, fathers. You've got to stop hiding behind the fact that you don't know and let your wife do all the praying. Step up. Have a voice. We heard about this morning. Have a voice. But he says... He says clearly, he says, what, what, am, what must I teach him? What is his manner going to be? What's his, what, what, what's his life going to be all about? What a wonderful dad that is. Understanding that, wow, this gift is from God. I need to work, partner with God to help shape the way this kid's going to go. And every child is given to us under the same premises, guys. Everyone has a purpose from God. Fathers and parents need to say, God, what do you do with this child? What's going to be, and at some stage, God will reveal, give me wisdom to understand, or open my eyes to understand what's going on here. Please, someone say amen. Because then you can look and say, right, he's going to do this. Well, then it's easy to start putting things into place for them to connect to their divine destiny. The third thing fathers do, I believe, which is such a lack in today's world, is they teach the fear of the Lord. If you look at nations today, how they even disrespect their own leaders. Where I come from, oh my gosh. They won't even listen to their governor. If he says, put on your mask, this is not going international, is it? (laughs) If they put on their masks, a lot of them say, you can't tell me what to do. You can't mess with my freedom. And I'm thinking, so you went for a driver's license. They made you do a test. Did they mess with your freedom? See, so we wear masks so we protect everybody else. It's a love thing. But they won't even listen to their leaders because it touches their freedom. Am I making sense? You know how blessed I was to be here the last two weeks? I'd, I couldn't even go and pick up Cheryl at the airport last night because guess what? I forgot my mask. So I'm kept at the door. And I'm hoping like anything she realizes that something's wrong or she'll come to the door. Amen? <laughs> but you go into Checkers or Woolworths and there, you've got to wash your hands. I mean, the guy's there. Boom, squirt you. We were somewhere the other day and, the guy, uh, and I had my hand, oh, it was McDonald's. I had my hand squirted and the guy said, Baba, please put your mask on. It'll be different where I come from. You can't tell me what to do. See, if you don't respect authority, how would you fear God? Now, it tells you, it tells you in, in, in Psalm 55, and I think it's verse 19. Let's 
find it quickly. Psalm 55. You see, you couldn't do that quickly if you were on one of those things, eh? Verse 19. It says, God will hear and afflict them, even, even he who abides from all. Then he says this. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. If you will fear God, there will be changes in your life. When you fear God, respect God, and, and, and are in awe of God, God, there will be institutional changes that take place for your betterment, for your good. Someone please shout. Amen. But if there's no fear of God, guys, you're not going to teach your family to honor what you honor. But fathers need to demonstrate the fact that, that, that they, they love the Lord. And that, that's not because they go to church on a Sunday. But in their home, they've got an altar, their own personal altars. That whatever time in the morning or evening, they're, they're there at the altar, crying out to God, worshiping God. They call a family get-together for prayer, for worship, for teaching in the Word. They be, you begin to understand that Father set the tone, guys. Mothers do as well. Don't, don't keep. Please, moms, understand what I'm getting at today. But fathers carry the anointing. They carry the authority to do that. Amen? Don't fight with me. I didn't work it out. Amen? God always works from a father to a son. Aren't you glad in the New Testament there's no gender? <laughs> Made that one. Let me start to just show, show, show the blessing about a father. I'm going to wrap it up now. I've given you three points about the importance of being a dad to God. Amen? Let me show you the power that that takes place. Four more points, five minutes. Six? Do I hear seven? Thank you. Let me give you just four points. I just, these are powerful things, guys. There'll be five things. Powers that fathers demonstrate. When Jacob left home, in Genesis 28 verses 1 to 4, if a mother blessed him, when your darling ducky is leaving home, moms, what do you think about? Will he be safe? Will he have a nice place to live? Oh, I must pack his nice little jersey. Does he have food to eat? Where will he live? Thank God for moms. Moms have that heart, that maternal heart that says, care. Women are phenomenal people. When you're broken and bruised, all they want to do is come and pat you and hug you and make you, make you good. Thank God for the lady folk. Amen. But Isaac, the father, doesn't even mention his health. Genesis 28 Verses 1 to 4. This is the Father's prayer. He says, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. In other words, buddy, get successful. <laughs> and that you may be an assembly of peoples. Get your purpose fulfilled. Yeah. Amen? And give you the blessing of Abraham. I want you to run a generational thing. I want you to pass this thing down. Do you see anything there about, I hope you have food to eat? And a nice place to sleep. In fact, the first night he slept on a rock. Don't tell mom, okay? But the point I'm trying to make, guys, is that the father speaks to the destiny. A father speaks to the purpose. A father speaks to the future. Am I making sense, guys? And children need to know that. How many of you, including myself, have told your children what's going to happen at the end of the world? I had to tell my kids the other night, I have to confess, I've never told you that. You better teach them now. No, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Surely if they know the end from the beginning, they can make up their minds as to what's real. But we just expect them to somehow know. So fathers speak to that. Fathers are crucial. Fathers address the real issues. And when they do that, 
They expand the children's ability to think and prosper and be prophetic and aspire. Amen. Your children are not mushrooms that grow in the dark. They are gifts sent by God. Amen. Number one. Number two. What else do fathers, the power of fathers? Well, in Genesis 49, in verse 28, look what it says. Jacob is on his deathbed. Jacob is dying. He calls the 12 sons. And on his deathbed, he prophesies over every single son and tells every single son his destiny and his prophetic call from that moment on. No pressure, dads. But if you read 49.28, that's what it says. It says, and all of, the, uh, all of these were the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. See the word blessing again? And he blessed them. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't frighten them. He blessed them. And then it says, and he blessed each one according to his own blessing. Tracy, Nathan, and Matthew are my children, our children. Let me tell you something. The three are so different. Now, if I wanted to bless Tracy with Matthew's ability, I would mess things up. She's her own person. She has her own anointing, her own gifting, and her own plan with God. So I need to bless her according to that plan. That's why I need to like be a Manoah. What do I teach her? What do I show her? I think in churches, uh, leaders need to, need to get hold of all those who are aspiring to be leaders and, and start to work out where they are, what they're called to do, how do you shape them, how do you plan them, how do you put them down the right track. And so we go on. Each one, he blessed each one according to his own ability. In other words, you're not all going to be bus drivers. Amen. <laughs> We're all going to be butchers. Amen. No, that's not the plan. Thirdly, in Genesis 48, verses 19 and 20, do you know that fathers change generational things? Oh, my gosh. There is Ephraim and Manasseh. Jacob hasn't met Joseph's sons, never seen his grandchildren, never met Manasseh, never met Ephraim. Gets there to, to the land of Goshen, amen, and uh, Jacob bring, Joseph brings his sons, and the first thing, please check me out, Genesis 48, the first thing that Jacob does is he blesses them. Does Allah my sweetie? Here's a lunch bar from Africa. <laughs> nice to see you. I've never met you before. First thing, he blesses them. But when he blesses them, he reverses the order. And he puts the leadership on the younger one, Ephraim, and not on Manasseh. Because prophetically, he picked up from the Lord that Manasseh wasn't going to do what Ephraim was going to do. Ephraim became a tribe down the road. So fathers address the imbalances. Sometimes they don't know why they're doing it. Amen? Now don't go home and just, just ignore your eldest. I never told you to do that. But fathers have the power, the anointing, the ability to change those things. Last one. Are you ready for this one? I love this one. This is one of my favorites. Fathers have the ability to break what, is, what, in, what inhibits their children. They have the power to do that. So, who was Jacob's favorite wife? Rachel. Which children did she have? Benjamin and Joseph. All right? When Benjamin was born, he wasn't called Benjamin. He was called Benoni. You know Benoni bread plant? No. <laughs> Benoni. Meaning what? 
son of sorrow. Can you imagine being a son of sorrow? Oh, great, here comes sorrow. <laughs> Can't wait to be you know, ridiculed again. Can't wait to feel sad because sorrows arrive. But you know what, guys? When, when, when Rachel died giving birth and she called him Ichabod, the glories depart. No, that was another one. Where, where she died and she said, Benoni, son of my sorrow. Jacob was on hand. The father was there. And he said, no. You are Benjamin. Son of my right hand. Son of encouragement. And Benjamin became Benjamin because his father was there to change and to break what was going to be something that inhibited him for the rest of his life. Fathers need to be active. Amen. Involved. I thought that was quite good. No, 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 no. That's my humor. I'm going to close with it. Can I, can I tell you a story? This one's about, no. No. And Nathan said it go. And by the way, there haven't been angels all their life. I just want to tell you that. I'm telling you, but. You see this here, helipad. You understand? That's not what he says. I know. I just want to help you out, guys, that none of your kids are perfect. Just understand that. Please, because when you go to school and the school teacher says this, you want to kill the school teacher. Touching your ducky darling. Listen first. Check it out. Amen? All right, let's go on. Let me finish with this. There's a story which happened in 2006 in America. Now, I know nothing about this oak. I know nothing about baseball. They play weird sports. I can tell you that. I'm so glad that I found a, chap, a, a thing called Willow. cost me 10 bucks a month, and I can watch 24-hour cricket whenever I want. Yeah. I just wish someone would get the vision and do something with rugby now. Come on. Because yeah. their football, I'm in the state that supports the Browns, and the Browns suck. <laughs> they are so bad. Amen. God bless them. Amen. Now, Talking about fathers, Bill Glass was a pro NFL football player in America, and he started a prison ministry to juveniles. Juveniles, after 36 years of prison ministry, he had learned many things about these youngsters, but one thing in particular. In an interview with Nancy Mazden on the 1st of January 2006, I have no clue who Nancy Mazden it was, but she's obviously some writer of some magazine. He addressed the topic, what is our country's biggest problem? And his short answer was, a lack of a father's blessing. Bill Glass reported that the FBI had, stu had studied 17 children, kids, that had shot their classmates in little towns of Paducah, Kentucky, Pearl, Mississippi, Littleton, and Colorado. All 17 had one thing in common. They had a father problem. He found that there was something about a man, a young man, not getting along with his father, and Glass said it made him mean, dangerous, and angry. He added, a child starved of the blessing of a father could, not, could, could, could get himself into all sorts of tangles while searching for acceptance. Most kids in gangs, gangs remain committed because they have a family to relate to. The gangs accept them, so they please the gang. They feel accepted. They would do almost anything to have the approval of the gang. Glass went on to say that many kids in gangs had no father relationships. And most guys on death row have a love for their mothers, but nearly all had a father problem. Bill Glass stressed the importance of fathers blessing their children, holding them and looking them in their eyes, telling them how valuable they are and what future they have. <coughs> and this relates, as I close, with what God the Father did for Jesus in Matthew 3, 16 and 17. 
In Matthew 3, 16 and 17, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, and a voice from heaven came and said, This is my son. Look at him in the eyes. Look at your children, not just your sons. Look at your children. Look at them in the eyes and say, You belong to me. When you identify who they are, you build self-worth. And when there's a lack of self-worth, kids are unstable. Amen? So you look at them in the eyes and you bless them and you declare your mind. I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that God gave you to me. Help me as I shape your life. Am I making sense, guys? So he said also in Matthew Matthew 17 and verse 5, he said, listen to him. So he, he, he affectionately identifies them. Secondly, what God does, he says, this is my beloved son. He lets that child know how loved he is. No matter what, if they've messed up, he lets them know how loved they are. Lastly, and I'll close. I'll normally close 12 times, but lastly, <laughs> he says, what does he say? I'm telling you, this COVID yesterday, bro. He says, listen to him. He says to the people at that point, he says, this guy's got something to help you with. He affirms his purpose. When your children get identified, get loved, and get affirmed, they build self-worth. You get self-esteem. They become stable citizens of a community because a father sits there. Because what I read in Proverbs 17, verse whatever it was, 6, First, first scripture I read says fathers are the glory of their children. And when the father sits and says, I love you. You are mine. This is what God's got for you. And I'm going to help you get there. That little heart just, that chest just expands. That thing just starts to shape. When I went to school, I was told many times, what are you still doing here? In fact, if my English teacher knew that I'd written some books, I think she'd turn in a grave. (laughs) But that's past. When you become saved, behold, all things become new. Amen, guys. Can I pray for the fathers? Dads, I want to tell you, and I say this with respect, Many of you probably haven't even thought of some of this stuff. I didn't. And I have fruit in my life. I'm grateful for that. But today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is a day where you can say, God, you know what? I didn't know this stuff, but you know what? Help me. Forgive me. Didn't this lady talk about forgiveness? Help me, Lord. I want to put things right. And start today. I don't care if they're married. I can't tell them what to do anymore. They're married. They've got their own children. I just shape them and guide them and love them. But I want to pray for the dads. Not because you're failures, but because of the potential that needs to be released. And granddads, don't sit there thinking, well, I'm, I'm in the transit lounge. No, you're not, man. No, you're not. You can still bless your grandchildren. You can still speak life to them and help to them. So dads, can you stand? All the potential dads too, can you stand? You're about to get married or whatever. Come on, stand. Father, I bless these dads here today and these potential dads. And I say to you, the Lord increase your knowledge and your heart as you arise to be fathers that make a difference. Father, bless them. Holy Spirit, would you come? You are the divine helper. Would you come? And would you come to each one and witness to each one in their divine call and purpose and enable them? Enable them, Father, to speak with authority laced with love to speak with authority where wisdom is released, 
where people can apply the knowledge that they have. God, touch this group of people, I pray. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come, stir, create, develop, raise up through this body of Christ, men, fathers, who will stand in this nation and be counted. Can the whole church stand, please? Now I want to pronounce over you the Father's blessing. Okay? I'm not the father of this house. I'm the father of another house. Amen? But I carry a father's anointing. And I want to say to you all, the proper name of God is not the Lord in number 622. You'll see in the margin four symbols, four letters, Y-H-V-H. Stands for yod Hey vav Hey. And God says, this is my forever name. My name is Alan, listen to this, isn't this ridiculous? Alan Charles Frederick Rockhill. I'm also known as Dad. To some people, a pastor. Others, an apostle. Others, a school teacher, a headmaster, a friend. All of them relate to me in some way, but it comes under my banner, Alan Charles Frederick Rockhill. When you put God's name on something, everything that's in His name that relates to Him, it's not just mighty God, Holy One, everything in His name is released. So when I pray, Rod, 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 Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, that's what I'm asking God to do. So church, in the name of Jesus, I say to you, Yod hey vav hey, bless you and keep you. Yod hey vav hey, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And Yod hey vav hey, lift up his countenance over you and give you his peace. And because I prayed that using his name, God's promises, I will come and bless you. And so, Father, I thank you that you will bless this people in a new way, in a new dimension. I ask you, Father God, to touch this church's finances. I ask you, Father God, to multiply them, to increase them, that nothing will inhibit this ministry doing what you've called it to do. All the business people in this place, Father God, increase them, favor them. Use them, my God, to be providers for the vision of this place. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you all. <laughs> I, want to give, I want to give that to you. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. Be challenged. It's good to be challenged in our hearts sometimes. Colleen, you want to just read something quickly, then we'll kind of wrap up. Colleen, often when she reads something, it's on point. Do you read it this morning or this week or something? Go for it. Okay. Yeah. It's called um, Model of the Month. His name was Fleming, and he was a poor Scottish farmer. One day, while trying to make a living for his family, uh, one day, while trying to make a living for his family, he heard a cry for help coming from a nearby bog. He dropped his tools and ran to the bog. There, mired to his waist in black muck, was a terrified boy screaming and struggling to free himself. Father Fleming saved the lad from what could have been a slow and terrifying death. The next day, a fancy carriage pulled up to the Scotsman's sparse surroundings. An elegantly dressed nobleman stepped out and introduced himself as the father of the boy Farmer Fleming had saved. I want to repay you, said the nobleman. You saved my son's life. No, I can't accept payment for what I did, the Scottish farmer replied, waving off the offer. At that moment, the farmer's own son came to the door of the family hovel. Is that your son, the nobleman asked. Yes, the farmer replied, replied proudly. 
I'll make you a deal. Let me provide him with the level of education my own son will enjoy. If the lad is anything like his father, he'll no doubt grow to be the man we both will be proud of. And that he did. Farmer Fleming's son attended the very best schools and in time graduated from St. Mary's Hospital Medical School in London and went on to become known throughout the world as the noted Sir Alexander Fleming, the discoverer of penicillin. Years afterwards, the same nobleman's son, who was saved from the bog, was stricken with pneumonia. What saved his life this time? Penicillin. The name of the nobleman, Lord Randolph Churchill. His son name, Sir Winston Churchill. That was a mic drop. That was very good. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your moment to reach out to somebody. And fathers, the challenge is there. I would also say to people, we'll have people here praying for for healing afterwards. If you want your body to be touched, you want prayer, we are people here that will stand with you and pray with you. So be blessed. Walk this week as we walk up to Easter, knowing that God is doing a good work for us. Have your hearts open to hear His voice. And we'll see you Friday morning, 9 o'clock, to praise and glorify our mighty King. Amen. Thank you once again, Alan. Amen. Bless you all.